underestimating the complexity of industrial problems. And if you don't appreciate that complexity from the very beginning, there's a higher risk that what it is delivered might not fulfill all the expectations. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. Did you know that where we live and how we interact affects our well-being? Yet, when we talk about well-being, we tend to talk about me. Well-being is about we, the community and the environment we live in. It is time to shift the paradigm from me to we. Check out the Urban Wellbeing Training courses developed in partnership with the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org. This is an interview with Sergio Martín del Campo Barraza, expert and PhD in machine learning for industrial applications with experience in Sweden and Mexico. Sergio is a senior data analyst at a startup in Sweden, and he is also adjunct senior lecturer at Luleå University of Technology. Hello, Sergio. How are you? Hey, Matt. Thank you very much for having me here. My pleasure. And as you know, to break the ice, would you like to share a place you like to visit near where you are? Well, right now here it's winter, so it's a little bit cold outside. So even though that there's a lake nearby, which in summer I like to go to read, now I just go make a stroll and then I go to the nearby, nearby coffee place where I just stay there, take a coffee, a fika, as we say in Sweden, and read a little bit there. <laughs> it's nice to be close to nature. <laughs> Lovely. I can imagine. Very, very cold and nice. We would like to know a little bit about your journey because you've done an awful lot in terms of studies and specializing and all the work that you have done. Tell me a little bit about it. Sure. Um, so I'm originally from Guadalajara, where I study mechatronics. And once I finished my studies, I moved to Querétaro to work in General Electric Aviation as an electrical design engineer. So mainly working with sensors for the aviation industry fall detection, uh, failure investigation, certifications. But after a few years there, I realized that I was still interested in having an experience abroad and I wanted to do some graduate studies. So I moved to Europe uh, with a scholarship from the European Union, Erasmus Mundus. I came to do a master's and then, I, which actually was on space technology. And from the master's, I switched to machine learning for a PhD. So the opportunity came to do a PhD in Sweden. And I switched to this topic, machine learning. It was, it was a PhD with the university, but we was with a large amount of influence by industry. There is this Swedish company called SKF, which mainly does ball bearings, rolling element bearings. And so my focus on my research on even though it was machine learning was always considering of the keeping in mind the failures or how to identify failures in rolling element bearings. After finishing my PhD, I continued with a postdoc 
which was more specialized is like how we develop machine learning tools for the detection of fairy, uh, failures on bearings for wind turbines, so aeolic energy. And so after a total of seven, around seven years in academia, I realized that I kind of miss working a little bit with the industry. And there was the curiosity also to experience the, the startup life. So an opportunity came to join a startup here in Gothenburg, Sweden, called Viking Analytics, where I joined as a data scientist in, well, I'm still working there after four years, now as a senior data scientist. Well, uh, that has been a brief summer of my journey now, even though that now work well, full-time on this company, I still had a small interest in academia, so I still had an affiliation with Lulio University of Technology here in Sweden, where I mainly go guest lectures or supervise on master thesis students and do some activities as relates to improve the research part. So in simple terms, what do you mean when you refer to machine learning? So, well, um, as we know, machine learning is an area within artificial intelligence. Uh, we have the data and we have algorithms and we want to well, do something with that data. As it relates to the work I do day to day, which is mainly industrial applications, mainly we work a lot with the area of maintenance or in particular predictive maintenance. The main goal that we want to achieve here is that any kind of machine motors, pumps, bulbs, circuit breakers. We want to identify whenever there is a failure, try to identify this issue as early as possible. And well, so the analyst, the person or technician who works with the machine can go check do whatever maintenance action might needed so we they can extend the life of the machine. So it's mainly early identification, detection of anomalies in issues with machines, but physically. So in terms of the benefits, I mean, I can imagine if a pump breaks down, right? It depends the type of industry you are in. If it is a water pumping station, then if it fails, it might mean that a town may actually not have enough water. So can you tell me a little bit more about the impacts that you have avoided, the failures that you have stopped? I will say that there are two main aspects on the impact that machine learning represents for this situation. Yes, one impact is the prediction of the failure. You let them know, you know what, there is something weird happening with this machine. You definitely need to go and check it out. And they say like, oh, you're right, something's happening. Let me work on it. And now we my, my process will be no interrupted. That's quite a, a lean or quite clear effect, I will say, that on the benefit that it represents for the industry because you are avoiding failures. But another aspect, which a lot of times it's difficult to perceive, but where there is uh, many values, is that right now, uh, with the trend of cheaper sensors, cheaper like, or to sensorize everything in, in the value data, 
there is uh, a tendency to put more sensors on the machines. So there are more parameters to monitor and there's, well, there is way more data. Unfortunately, the rate in which the number of assets to monitor in the amount of data that is generated is not increasing to the same rate as the human resources available to do that. There is way more data and way more sensors, but there is not enough people. And this is where also the AI comes handy. Let's take an example. For example, we work a lot with vibration analysis. Before, or as something traditional, especially for non-critical machines, the analyst will go once a month, check with a sensor, with a portable device, measure the vibration, take a measurement, and then he will go the next month, will take a measurement, he will see the difference, he will say, okay, it is the same, nothing has changed, or it's different, we might need to do something about it. But he goes once a month, and he has to check five, 10 machines per day, every day, so it's a lot of assets to check, but he only has one measurement per month, and he has a way to view the data. Now it becomes way cheaper to put the sensor. Sensors start decreasing in cost, especially wireless sensors. So rather than having someone, you put the sensor. But out of the sudden, rather than having one measurement per month, now you might have a measurement every hour. So you had 700 measurements to view per month. And because it might be cheaper to put a sensor, rather than have one or two points that you measure, you might put three, four sensors within the machine. So 700 measurements per month multiplied for four seat sensors is a lot of measurements. So for the analyst, his typical way to work and look all these measurements, well, it's way too much data. He doesn't have the time to do that. And in addition, he needs to keep that the, the machines are in order, defining thresholds, defining the settings, and many other responsibilities that they have. So this is where the AI can come into play to alleviate that work. You know, now we will focus on telling the machine which are the machines that have some atypical behavior. So you can pay attention to those atypical, the machines with atypical behavior that are not behaving as expected. And then within the machine, we will tell you the measurements in time in which we can start to see these different behaviors. Now we simplify his work. He can continue to work on the way in which he's used to on his regular analysis. And now he has the tools or AI provide the tools that simplifies all that information on a meaningful way to him, because that's a final aspect. It is not only about providing information about, okay, what is the problem of the machine? You need to provide information explainable. Explainability is a really important aspect to put everything within concept on what it is important for him. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes it's not, yeah, not the data, but how, how can people understand what it is? And in order for people to understand not just the technical side of things, do you or your systems provide some report in terms of the cost saving that has been calculated when all this maintenance is being done? Because people think in business terms, right? 
You have the operational people and the business people, and the business people occasionally don't want to invest unless there's a proof of concept and cost savings. So there is certainly, we are working to translate towards that direction, which uh, how to translate those data or those problems into how it might contribute to safe or maintenance actions. And although that to make that possible, certainly you need to have more information about the system. Uh, right now, they can appreciate the value because we can, they can see how much we it can contribute to saving the processing time. Because that's another aspect of the philosophy I have or we have with our work. We follow approaches that are unsupervised, meaning we don't need labels to generate value. We try to provide as much information to the user without having to use or like asking for as little meta or contextual information as possible. And then certainly we can receive the contextual information and we can provide more value. Well, because we cannot expect to, to provide value until we have that contextual information. Now, that's about the detection of the failures. Now, when we want to identify the effects in other costs, well, that's when the contextual information becomes more useful. And at this moment, we're working on how integrate all these aspects on a simpler way. Right now, the focus has been more like how to integrate the data from the different sensors in those aspects or like process data in like measurement data, for example. Yes, particularly translating it to something that is understandable. So what is the biggest challenge that you normally face? When we talk about understandable, I think there are two different aspects we might need to differentiate. There's the understandable who might be upper management, which might translate it to money. The aspect in which we're working, which to be honest is our major priorities, to make it understandable on terms that are useful for the people working directly with the machine. So they will know if there is a problem with the machine, so they know like, do I need to put more lubricant? Or is there a contamination issue? Or is there a misalignment issue? What should I do to prevent that failure? So it, all this will not be treated on a black box. In order for them to know that, you need to provide information in terms that are understandable to them, in which different signal characteristics that are help to diagnose that situation are detected, and then those characteristics are transmitted so they can take those actions. So the focus has been, at this point, first towards the user down, then translating the value towards the top, saying, okay, this much changes represents a reduction on the mean time between failures of this amount, or your amount of downtime has been reduced in this percentage. That's the other strategy that goes towards the upper management that we want to reduce as well. But first, our focus is the actual people working on the field who are like the ones sitting down there. <laughs> so the people working on the field or um, users or technicians, depending on the industry sector that you are in, how do you engage them? I mean, how do you make sure that they find all these information and applications and systems of benefit and that they don't feel threatened? In, 
that's the thing. I think the first aspect within it is speaking with them. Communication, like any other places, is the most important aspect and is also the greatest challenge. And communication is it's tricky because, especially as you come for talking about AI and the amount of information that is outside regarding AI, the expectations come on a high level. Now, unfortunately, many persons who had worked with the latest machine learning methods, latest AI methods, they had been able to solve many challenging problems, vision, language, which are truly, truly challenging. But industry is different in both in the type of data they have and in the kind of uh, situations they face. As such, when you approach to solve those problems, first, one need to approach with the humility to recognize that you don't know everything. You might know something about the machine learning methods, but you don't know anything about the actual industrial process. And those are really important problems. Then once you approach with that humility, be willing to learn from them who are the people who are down there and understand their problems. Meaning, normally when you talk with people, they already had a preconceived notion about what might be the solution. But then again, they had this solution in mind mainly because they had a problem. But in time is spent in the conversation of the solution rather than to better understand the problem. The reason humility is important. It is just come down there and ask questions, really simple questions, to better understand the process of what they're dealing with so you can better understand the problem that they are truly having, not the solution to anything my best. And then so you can come back later and say, you know what? Yes, what we are proposing you is not exactly as you had in mind, but you know what? It helps you to solve your problem that you have, that we've identified your pain point this way. And they will come and realize, oh, yes, now you understood my problem and now you're solving my pain points. Now I can focus on what is truly important. So this aspect of communication and humility to be willing to understand these industrial processes are really important. Because a lot of times, many companies, many organizations promise really big things because many great things has been done with language vision, ChatGPT, for example. But there's the risk of underestimating the complexity of industrial problems, which can be really complex. And if you don't appreciate that complexity from the very beginning, there is a higher risk that what it is delivered might not fulfill all the expectations. Wow. So it is humility, identifying pain points, and communication to understand complexity. Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. And where do you see the trend going in your sector? I think... It goes a little bit on the direction that I mentioned earlier. Sensors are becoming cheaper to produce, to manufacture. So assets that were critical before, certainly they were sensorized. But now because sensors and wireless sensors, vibration, wireless vibration sensors, for example, are becoming really cheap, 
then we start to be putting more and more machines. So we can see in statistics that in studies we have done internally that, for example, the wireless vibration sensors we have right now is at the same level that the number of like cellulars that were available 20 years ago. And this could explode. And there need to be strategies to be able to deal this data. So that's actually the entire philosophy behind Viking Analytics, like which is the company, the startup where I work with. It's like how we can contribute to simplify this work in a way that is meaningful for the people who are using third tools. So reduction of the sensors, more data, and how to contribute to solve that data. So definitely it's a win-win situation. Everybody wins. That's the overall goal. That's the overall goal. <laughs> so anything else that you would like to add? I will mean, perhaps just to mention talking about these issues regarding priority maintenance. And there are many aspects. A lot of times the expectations, as I was mentioned earlier, they can, the expectations can be really high. There's nothing wrong with that. With that, actually, it just give you a way, or it can serve as a as a light towards the direction you want to move. But we need to remember, or I think that it is important to remember that these problems, industrial problems, unfortunately, cannot be treated as a black box in which you had only input data and you had output selling you, which is the failure. There are many constraints that are really important. Many of these industries, since our industry is really old, there are a lot of regulations. And you need to, for example, keep in mind those regulations. Something that, unfortunately, modern AI technologies, given that they had moved so fast, a lot of times there are not these regulations. So they had been benefiting from the fact that there is no regulations and they may be a little bit uh, hesitant on introducing regulations in many aspects, but more established industries like energy, food, like all these kind of industries, there are standards processing the data, there are, there are policies, there are, there are regulations. And as such, the black box model is not something that is useful for them. Why? Because you need to be able to explain what is happening with that model. That's the reason explainable AI, explainable machine learning is a really important thing. Not only because you want to be able to speak on terms of the people. It is because that explanations, that information that you provide, it gives can give a lot of assurance to the people who are using the systems, the, the, the users of the users of the systems or any other reference organization about what it is happening there. And that's something really important to keep in mind, I would say. Amazing. That's really, really good. Thank you very much. So Sergio Martin del Campo Barraza, how can we get in touch with you? Certainly on the webpage of my company, you can find me and there's my profile there. The company is Viking Analytics, but also you can find me on more direct way on LinkedIn and LinkedIn as Sergio Martin Del Campo. I will be happy to provide any assistance that might be required. This is Urban Jungle with your host, Magda Flores. 
Thanks for joining. And if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from, all you have to do is drop me a line. My email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com. Urban environments need your help. Be part of the solution. Check out our training courses on urban well-being. Developed in partnership with SIWEM, the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org.